the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, if you would go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And read a handful of our verses, beginning with verse number 8. Romans 13, beginning with verse number 8. Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime, not in the orgies, the drunkenness, the immorality, the debauchery, the dissensions, the jealousies. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He uses a title this morning, In Light of His Return, In Light of His Return. The um, inspiring our main thought comes from verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. For the hour has come for you and I to wake up from our slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Now, in our text, the Apostle Paul is reminding us for the need of vigilance and diligence and excellence as we wait for the return of the Lord. He's exhorting us to know the time and to live accordingly. To walk worthily of the great privilege and the high and holy calling we have as sons and daughters of God. And we'll outline our thoughts this morning like this. In light of His return, let us continue, number one, to love one another. To love one another. Number two, let us be aware and understanding of the time. And number three, let us be genuine and consistent in our lifestyle. In light of His return... Let us continue to love one another. Paul tells the church that let your only outstanding debt be the debt of love. For that debt can never be discharged in full. For God is a God of love. And He's called His people to walk in love. Love one another is the basic principle of the Christian life. It's the new command that Jesus has given us. And when we practice love, there is um, no need for all the other laws because love covers them all. For if we love others, we won't sin against them. We won't gossip about them. We'll show them with kindness and respect, honesty and civility. There'll be compassion and there'll be patience and there'll be forgiveness when we walk in love. Again, no matter how much one has loved, According to the Bible, he is under obligation to keep on loving. And someone says that's an impossible task. Not for the new creature, it's not. 
Not for those that are born again. For the Bible says in Romans 5 that the love of God has been poured out within us by the Spirit that now abides in there. And so by the Spirit, by that new nature, we can walk in this love and we can exhibit this love and we can demonstrate this love. We see, number one, we see love's debt. Verse 8, love's debt. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man, he's taking us beyond the church, has fulfilled the law. Love's debt. You see, it's a debt that we must always, a debt that always has to be paid, yet it's a debt that can never fully be paid. It's the debt of love. What do you mean? Well, there's like a witnessing debt. Paul said, I am a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. He says, I'm a debtor, and therefore I'm ready to preach. He says, I'm a debtor to those that stood where I once stood and that are standing and thinking like I once thought. I'm a debtor to those that are lost and running like I once ran. I'm a debtor to them to fulfill an obligation to tell them the good news of Jesus and to share with them there's a better way, there's a greater way, and they don't have to live that way. I'm a debtor. To witness to those that haven't heard. I'm a debtor. Called a walking in the spirit debt. Romans 8 and 14. Or verse 12. Paul says, we're debtors not to the flesh, but to the spirit. He just be, uh, finished saying, we are filled with the spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And then Paul says, therefore I'm a debtor. I have an obligation. No longer to live like I used to live but now to walk and talk and think in the Spirit. Because of my salvation, I am a debtor to put aside those things that once once characterized me. And now I am obligated to walk and talk and be a good example of one that has been raised from the dead. The love has a debt. There's a witnessing debt. And there is a walking in the Spirit debt. And of course, we're all familiar with, with forgiving others as God has forgiven me debt. Jesus taught us to pray. and He said, we, we forgive. We'll forgive us as we forgive, Lord. And He said, if I don't forgive, you know the story. You know the Scripture. But there's a debt to forgive others. And I'm so thankful and we shout and we like to get happy how God forgave us and we feel all good about that and we should. But oh, because God forgave me, I cannot withhold forgiveness from someone else that is not as perfect as nearly I am. There is a debt to forgive others and we walk in this and we talk. Love has a debt. And it's a debt to exercise and obey and love and express kindness and mercy. Commentator Leon Morris writes, We can never say, I've done all the loving I need to do because love is a permanent obligation, a debt impossible to fully discharge. Love has a debt and love has a duty. Verse 9 speaks about love's duty where Paul summarizes what it means to love. And he simply says, hey, listen, it means to keep the commandment is to love your neighbor. You don't got to be complicated about it. You don't have to be able to memorize every law. Just walk in love and you'll fulfill every law. Walk in love and you won't break any of the laws. When the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? They wanted some depth. And Jesus, you know, He knows how to tickle your desire to be deep and then bring you right down to where the rubber meets the road. Can you say amen? And Jesus says, I'll give you the greatest. The greatest is this. Love the Lord your God with all. You love God sincerely and wholeheartedly. 
You love God continually with all that you have, but then almost without taking a breath. Jesus, hang on, I'm not done yet. He says, and the next one is this. He says, love your neighbor. Love your fellow human being as yourself. If you'll do that, you'll keep the commandments. Let's look at Matthew 22, starting with verse 36. Matthew 22. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? We want something deep. We're about depth. Listen, folks, if all you're learning in the Bible isn't making you a better Christian, you're wasting a lot of study time. Because our uh, revelation brings responsibility. I've seen some that have degrees. They're still meaner than a junkyard dog. I see some that, that can tell you the Greek, but they can't stop gossiping. The more I know the book, the more I ought to live the book. Somebody give me an amen. Oh, come on. You missed a good one. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all. Don't be half-hearted if you call yourself a Christian. Don't be casual about it. God died on the cross not so you could be more excited about the game than than, than the Messiah. Come on, say amen. Um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he goes, and, and this is the first and the greatest commandment. But the second, the second, he says, and the second, it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You don't have to learn a lot of things if you just get those two things and walk in them. How many of you know that, that knowing and doing, is sometimes it's easier to know than to do? Anybody? It's easier to know about forgiveness than it is to forgive. Come on, be honest, you're in church. No, don't, don't lie. Yeah, yeah. But all that hangs, if we can get those two down. And so verse 9, Paul tells us that if a man honestly seeks to discharge the debt of love, he will automatically keep the commands. Won't commit adultery. Won't murder. Won't steal. Won't lie against that brother. So we say in the light of his return, let us continue to love one another. Remembering that love has a debt. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owe a debt I can never pay. Love's debt and love's duty is to love that person and to express that love and love's demonstration. Verse 10. Love's demonstration. Look at, he writes, Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love's demonstration. As we like to say, faith without works is dead. God says, faith that has no substance to it is not real. It's an imposter. It's not genuine. Some say, I have faith, but they don't live right. God says, demons have that kind of faith. It's not just a knowledge faith. It's a lifestyle faith. Faith without works is dead. So we resurrect it in the same way First John tells us we are to love. Not merely with words, but with action, with truth, and with deeds. We are to love. Our conversation, our conduct, even in the consciousness and sincerity of our hearts, we should love. Love from God, love for God, must be translated into love for my fellow man or my neighbor, saved and unsaved. We live in an hour where 
There's so much anger. There's divisions. People are uptight and ultra-sensitive. And if you find yourself watching too much of the news, close the junk off and get in a prayer closet and make a difference in the world. Come on, say amen. Enough is enough already. We're the people of God. You can only stomach so much of that. If it's not moving you to pray, I, I would suggest you, you better watch it. You better watch it. In a time when so much anger and division, they're uptight and they're argumentative and they're aggressive and they're oppressive. God's people should walk and demonstrate the love of God in our families, in our churches, in the community, on the job site, in the nation. And especially, again, within the family of believers, among the saints, the importance of walking in the love of God. That is the thing that will keep the Spirit strong because we're not grieving Him. That is the thing that will keep the unity real and sincere and there's no breaking ranks when hell attacks. That is the thing that keeps the peace abiding, not fleeing when the pressure mounts. In fact, you study the Roman historians, not Christian historians, Roman historians. When they write about that early church, they say that, 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 that the way, that group, those followers of the, the, of the Nazarene, they say that group was noted for their crazy, ununderstandable un, 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 for the Roman, the love and the joy of that early church. Where the historians write, they get fed to the lions and they're singing Amazing Grace. They, they, they get attacked and falsely accused. And they don't break ranks, but they love one another. Racial boundaries are no more. Economic boundaries are washed away. And the redeemed. Well, that, 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 that secular historians. Where how far have we fallen? Where have we gone? Where that early church was noted. Not because they ran the most or shouted the most or had the least amount of makeup. Some could use a little more. Amen. Oh, um, and and um, not, 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 because, not because of all these things, but because how they loved one another and how they had a joy even when they're facing the lions. Oh, those people knew God. They knew God. They knew God. We talk about the importance of love. Why is love so important, preacher? Because number one, love, love authenticates. Our testimony and love makes acceptable our ministry and love demonstrates our reality. Let's look at this together. Love authenticates our testimony. It authenticates our testimony. You know, high end things, um, um, Tommy Hilfiger and all the, high, they, 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 they have something on it that, that, um, what, what do you call it? They have a designer label. They got a special label. So you know when you don't got a phony, amen? You spent twenty dollars. You know it cost two thousand dollars, and it kind of looks nice, but it's made out of paper. And you're looking for where is the thing that says it's real? Where is the marking that says this is the real thing? Where is the label that says this is the genuine article? Jesus said that's going to be love for you and I. Love authenticates our testimony that we are brothers and sisters, and we are. Disciples of the Lord Jesus. John 13, 34 and 35. John 13. Jesus said, a new command. I give you love one another. 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by how we love. By how, by how did he love me? He, he was willingly and lavishly, sincerely. He, he loved me and I was far from lovable and far from perfect. But love like he loves by this. This is the seal that authenticates. This is the real thing. This is the genuine. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love authenticates our testimony and love makes acceptable our ministry. How many know that? For if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not, if I prophesy till the hair on the back of your head stands up and you got a goosebump, but I have not love. I pray with faith and fervor and blessing, but have not love. God says others might be blessed, but I don't receive it and I don't approve of it. God says you can go through the motions, but if it's not motivated by a sincere love, I won't put my approval on it. I won't deem it acceptable before love. I'm talking about love. That's why we have to live at an altar. That's why we have to have a time of prayer saying, God, help me to walk in what you've called me to walk. Help my love to go beyond my little circle of mommy and daddy. And help me to love people that don't look like I look. Help me to love people that aren't the easiest to get along with because you've called me. It authenticates that I'm a disciple. And it brings approval and acceptance of the Father to my ministry. And it demonstrates the reality. You should say in the family, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And you look at the child, oh yeah, you got to belong because you got their eyes. And you watch them, oh, they walk just like their father. Hey, show, show them your hands. Your hands, just like his father. I can see those hands. And love demonstrates the reality that we're sons of God. We're not just religious. We don't just come to church because it's good for business. But there's something real, the love of God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Look how Paul writes this. Be imitators of God. Remember when they were little and they used to follow you around, they'd imitate you. Isn't that right? If you're in the kitchen, they imitate you. If you're out there and they're working in the field, they imitate you. See? Well, they're imitating. They're following, imitating. I'm going to be like them. I'm going to be like them. I'm going to do that. And, you know, they, they talk. They'll mimic. Imitate. Mimic. Imitate. Be imitators or mimics of God as dearly loved children. This is what's going to demonstrate the reality that we're children of God. Living a life of love. When you walk in sincere love, others say, yeah, they, they, oh yeah, I see the Father in them. When you walk in a sacrificial measure of love, they say, yeah, 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 I, I see Jesus in that person. Just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, in the light of His return, let us continue to love. Not just when it's convenient or beneficial, 
But let us love as God loved us. When we're not worthy of it, when, when we're not even looking for it, but we pray, oh God, according to the Scripture, Your love has been poured out in my heart by Your Spirit. Help me to walk in that love and to exercise that love and express that love in a world that is so hurting, in a world that is so confused, in a world that they're just ready to fight at the drop of a hat because something within them is hurting and something within them is angry and it's causing them. And the love of God's people set the stage for men and women to hear, men and women to give heed to a gospel that will change their lives and turn them around. In light of His return, let's continue to love. In light of His return, let's be aware of the time. Wow, verse 11 is something, isn't it? Do this understanding the present time. The first three words of verse 11 are what tie together love of God to the return of the Lord. It begins with, and do this. And do what? Love. Love the neighbor. Love your fellow. Love, love, love. Understanding the present time. You see, we're commanded to love because love is an action word. It's harder to command an emotion. But you can command an action. And we're commanded to love. Not so much a feely thing. But how we carry ourselves. and How we express ourselves. And do this. Love your fellow man. And do this understanding the present time. Our motivation is Jesus is returning. Our motivation as a believer is we know He's coming and we know one day we'll stand before Him. And and that motivates how we live. That motivates the direction we take and the diligence and the effort of our life and the sacrifice and the value system in which we give. Our lives are motivated, inspired by what we believe, by what we know, because we understand the time that it's short and eternity is forever. Because of that, we are motivated in our purity. We're motivated in our ministry. And we're motivated in our dependability. We're motivated in our purity. We want to stay clean and we want to stay busy. And we want to stay growing until He comes. Until He comes. Until He comes. It, it motivates my purity. Because remember, heaven is not just a destination. Heaven is a motivation. If you really think you're going to go there, and I think I'm going to go there, I believe I'm going to go there, I know I'm going to go there, and when I get there, I want to be right. Understanding the present time that you might not be here next week. Understanding the present time that, that, that your days are like a vapor. Understanding the present time should affect me living purely, not lackadaisically. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. What a powerful verse. Dear friends, dear children of God, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But man, it's going to be good. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as is. We know He's coming. And when He appears, we're going to be transformed. Isn't that going to be beautiful? 
You're not going to have to deal with that impatience anymore. You're not going to have to deal with that broken heart anymore. You're not, because when we see Christ, but therefore, because I know that and I believe that, it affects the way I live in the present moment. Verse 3 says, because I truly believe that He's returning and I shall see Him face to face. Every one of us who has that hope, we purify ourselves just as He is pure. If I truly believe I'm going to meet Him, it affects how I live in the here and the understanding the present time that I will stand before Him and He is coming back. It moves me to live clean in a dirty world. It moves me to live righteously in a fallen and a rebellious world. It moves me to minister faithfully in the time that I have allotted, my time, I don't know what it is. And you don't know what yours is. But Jesus said to His disciples one time, we must work the works of Him who sent us. Nighttime is coming when no one can work. The time is coming when we cannot do what we've been called to do. The hour is coming and the window is closing that we can't make up for lost time if we've been lazy. We, we can't finally make up for it after we get done. No, no, no. But nighttime is coming. And because now is the time of salvation, And today is the day of grace. Now is the hour that whosoever will can come to Jesus. That whosoever will can be saved and born again. Because now is the time. This is the moment we must be about. Doing what we've been called to do. Fulfilling the command and obeying what God has beckoned to our lives. The ministry, the ministry, and the dependability. Because I understand the time. And I know that one day I will see Him. Not just my purity is motivated, not just my ministry. Don't have time for other things. The window is closing for me to do what God told me to do. The window is closing for me to fulfill what the Master has spoken to my heart. I can't put it off. I'm going to face Him one day. I can't put it off because there's only so much time to do it. Because I know I'm going to see Him. I'm going to be determined and motivated in my dependability. And that's my faithfulness. My faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, and it talks about um, God requires faithfulness. It is required that those who have been given a trust, that you and I, must prove faithful. Because I know I'm going to see the Lord. I have to be given over to faithfulness. You see, one of the key things that will determine your grade and my grade when I stand before God, you take a class and the teacher, how are we going to get this grade? The teacher says, well, your grade will be made up this percentage, homework assignment. This percentage in your thesis. This percentage, your midterm and your final. Going to make your grade. I want you to know right now, the bulk of your grade when you and I stand before the Lord will be how faithful have we been in our service to God. My faithfulness will carry a bulk of my grade. Not giftings, because giftings are all different. Not giftings because God just kind of made them sprinkle that different. Even opportunities are different. But faithfulness. we got 24 hours every day. we got a lifetime. Will I be faithful to God? Will I serve God? Will God be on the shelf or will God be number one in my life? 
Will I be faithful in doing what He's called me to do? Faithfulness. Learned a long time ago. Wasn't the smartest. Certainly not the prettiest. Not the tallest. But I can be faithful. But I can work the hardest. I can be the most diligent. I love biographies. I don't really care who they are. just like biographies. And I listened to some singer um, that was being interviewed. And I, I'm Oklahoma guy. Some big old Oklahoma guy. And he said, I, I knew we didn't sing the best. And he's made zillions and zillions of dollars. And, and oh, we didn't sing the best. I know the songs we wrote. We weren't the best writers. But we all came from the oil fields of Oklahoma. He says, all we knew, work 24, 24, work and work, my granddad, my father, that's all we knew. So we made up our minds, though we're not the best singers, we're not the best music, we don't write the best, we can outwork them. And he goes, that's what made us get our breakthrough. We just worked. And and faithfulness. Because I do believe I will stand before the Lord. I do believe. My time is shorter now than when I first believed. I am determined. I am motivated. Let me be found faithful. Not squandering, not idolizing the temporal, but giving myself to the eternal. Can you say amen? The present time is a time when Christ could come or a time that He could bid me to come. It speaks of urgency. The shortness of time demands in the Paul's calling for an awakening and a rising and a marching forward. Time is short. His return is certain. And even for the young, we have some wonderful young people here, even for the young, who God has a great plan and a purpose, even for the young, in the light of eternity, time is still short. Most likely you won't see the Lord before most of us that have run our few laps and already passed the halfway point. But, But the fact of the matter is, young people, in light of His return and in light of His good purpose for your life, number one, make wise. They're all four W's. Make wise decisions. Save yourself the heartache of foolish decisions. And regretful decisions. Pray over your decisions. Talk to mom and dad over your decisions. Don't uh, make messes. Avoid messes you don't have to make. Because time is short. And life passes quicker than you imagine. And God is a good God that has good plans, but you have to work with God. Be wise in your decisions. And watch. Second W. Watch. Over those you keep company with. Your associations will affect you, like it or not. Who you hang with for good or for evil, they will affect you. You can't stop it. It's a fact of life. Be willing. Be willing to work hard for what you want. The Bible applauds diligence and discipline, not laziness. Or carelessness. Be willing to work and sacrifice. Not expecting handouts, but be determined. You and the Lord, you and the Lord can achieve and accomplish. In the light of His return, 
in the light of His good will for your life. Let's be wise in our decisions. Because young people, if, you, if they were honest around you, the ones around you, they testify for some dumb things they've done. They say, oh God, I wish I would have had some wisdom back then. I wish I would have asked God for wisdom before I ran off with who I ran off with and before I... So with the wisdom of God, you can avoid a lot of things. You have to be able to watch who you hang with. Watch who you associate with. You need to be able to work for what you want and discipline your life and give yourself faithfully to do God's will. Just because it's God doesn't mean it'll be given to you on a silver platter. It'll take work and devotion and discipline. And lastly, lastly, and be determined in the light of His return. In the light of the fact that God has a good plan for your life, but that plan will not automatically unfold just because God is good and you are nice. There has to be a wisdom. There has to be a work. There has to be a watching. And there has to be the determination, the making up of your mind to withstand, to stand against the various temptations that will try to knock you off course. And set you down a wrong path. Drag you where you don't want to be dragged. Don't ever forget, not everyone wants the best for you. So stay close to Jesus. Stay faithful to His house. Stay in love with His Word. Remembering in light of His return. In light of His will for your life. Respond, respond, and let God work in you and through you to do His blessed work. Can you say amen in this present hour? In light of His return, let us love one another. In light of His return, let us be aware and recognize the time in which we live. It's closer now than when we first began this race. We're closer now when some of us put things off and He never did pick it up. You said, when this changes, you change. You never did. You said, finally, when the... No, you never did. And if there's not a change, you'll wake up in a decade and never have. So I call some people to action. I call some people to change. Call some people that, you know, it's not too late, but it's going to cost you because you, 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 you've made excuses and you haven't. But it's time, it's time, it's time to fulfill that call. Number three, let us be genuine in our lifestyle. Paul gives four things that we should do as we wait for the coming of the Lord. And you see, he says, watch vigilantly, watch, watch, war valiantly, walk virtuously, wait victoriously. He says, we are to watch vigilantly. That's verse 11. In this period of time, knowing that he's returning, the Christian should not be characterized by a spiritual lethargy or sleep or neglect, disinterest, but an alertness and a watchfulness and a readiness. Jesus criticized the Pharisees. You remember He said to them, you know, He said, you're able to discern the weather, but you don't know the times in which you live. 
You're able to tell we're going to rain, but you can't recognize the Messiah when He's in your midst. You can talk about, but you don't recognize what is right before you. But then there was another group in the Bible. They're from the Old Testament. Back in the days where the kingdom was divided and there was friction and there was tension and there was transition and some were saying stick with Saul and others were saying recognize there's one by David and I believe God's going that way and the kingdom was here and the kingdom was there. It's important to know what time it is. It might take you 20 years to get back on track when you don't know what time it is. And the Bible says, First Chronicles 12 and 32, that the men of Issachar, the men from the tribe of Issachar, they understood the time. And they knew what Israel ought to do. They understood the times. And so we recognize here that God says, in light of His return, understand the time. Understand what we must do. Understand what that means to you and how you should respond. Be careful. Ephesians 5 and 15 and 16. Be careful how you live. Be careful, not careless. Be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. It's not time for a careless Christianity, but for a faithful, energetic Christianity. We are, we're, we're informed according to the Scripture of the imminence of His return. Therefore, we should be influenced by the imminence of His coming. Jesus told a story one time of, of ten, ten, ten bridegrooms, ten, ten, ten bridesmaids, ten bridesmaids, and, and, and five, of them, five of them were caught napping. When the bridegroom came, caught napping. And because they were caught napping, they didn't know what time it was. The door of opportunity that was open was for them, was shut to them. They, they understood it was coming. They believed that it was coming. But they were not prepared when it came. Not enough just to know it's coming and to believe it shall come. There has to be a present preparing and living so that when it does come, the door isn't shut, that door is open. We're to watch vigilantly. We are to war valiantly. See, verse 12 speaks about armor. Armor. Look at that. It says here, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor, the armor of light. The, the word armor, like Paul talked about fighting a good fight of faith. And armor indicates that there's a spiritual warfare that will characterize our wait for the Lord Jesus. And really, verse 12 is there's, there's a putting off darkness. There's, as I walk with the Lord and I understand this present hour is a serious hour in which we live, I'll never have it again. It means me one day closer to meeting Him. So I recognize and understand and believe in the light of His return. I move to put off and put on. He says put off or reject some things. Some things leave behind because you know what time it is. Some things no longer give that attention to because you understand what time it is. Because I believe He's coming and the time is shorter now. It moves me to deny. But yet it moves me to move out. He says, put off darkness and put on light. And it says, not only war valiantly, he says, walk virtuously. And we look at verse 13. And what's he saying? He's saying, put off sins, whether they be of the public nature or the private nature. 
Sometimes the public ones are embarrassing because everyone sees them, but God says, uh, I want you behind closed doors. Stop gossiping so much. Stop talking so much. I'm not pleased with that. You see, behind the doors. And then lastly, he says, and we are to wait victoriously. Verse 14. Understanding the present time. Face every day by putting on Jesus Christ as Lord. Making Him Lord in all that I do and all that I say. Hallelujah. And make no provision for the flesh. You backslide every time you're around that friend, stop hanging out with that friend. That's easy enough. You, 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 you do something you shouldn't do every time you go to that place, stop going to that place. Let's see verse 14. Go ahead, stick verse 14 up there for us, would you please? Because I believe the Lord is coming. Because I believe this life is really but a vapor and my decisions matter. And you might say, i got a lot of good years, but the decision you make today might knock you off course for 20 years. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Clothe, put on the Lord. I'm going to go out of work. I'm going to put on the Lord. I'm not going to say anything unless the Lord will be pleased with it. I don't want to think anything the Lord will be pleased. I put on the Lord. And make no provision. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful man. Think about that. And Paul is saying, Put on the Lord and and build your life, orchestrate your life for victory, not defeat. He's saying, um, be proactive in your holiness and in your righteousness. Don't make excuses for sin, but go the extra mile to make sin harder. Order your life. Order your walk to help in purity and obedience. Position yourself. Position yourself. Don't go there. Don't be unchaperoned. You have a certain sister, every time she's on the phone, gossip, hang up on her. Say, you know what? When you stop talking so much, I don't talk to you. It's all right. You want to please her or God? Amen. You'll see, it's easier to preach about them sinners when you shoot the church than we get touchy, don't we? Because we're the holy ones. We're the ones that God, no, no, no. God, God knows our mess more than what we, we like to admit. But build, build your life. Build your life. Build your life. Build your life. If you believe you're going to face them one day, build your life in a way that will help you be victorious. Give no provision. Make changes if you have to make changes. Make adjustments if you have to make adjustments. It's important to, a secret for victory is to put ourselves in places where we can be victorious. Victory will breed victory. It will become a lifestyle as we make the proper changes and the adjustments to help us. And don't make provision. Don't, don't give the old nature an opportunity to come out of its, of its coffin. No, don't be like the one that tried to overcome that, that, that addiction or that weakness he had for donuts. You ever hear that one? Yeah, donuts had the best of them. The only problem was the best donut shop in town was right between his house and work. Went by it every day. Saw it, boom. Pulled right in. Cup of coffee and a, and a make it two, two donuts. <laughs> Flesh loves convenience. 
After a while, the donuts started getting the best of them. They knew this wasn't good. I need to stop this donuts. It got, wasn't good for my sugar. It wasn't good for my, my, my belt line. I stopped the donuts. And so for, he did good for a while, but he stopped driving. He took another way to work. You see, if you want to overcome things, you've got to be radical to overcome. Did good for a while. Really did. Then he got started missing those donuts. Started talking to himself. You know that's always dangerous when you start talking to yourself. And then he started talking back. It got real dangerous. He said, well, well maybe, Lord, maybe you don't really care too much if I have a donut every now and again. In fact, hey, Lord, if you don't mind me having a donut from time, maybe, maybe, maybe Lord, you give me a sign. I'm going to drive behind the donut shop. And if there's a spot open right in front, Lord, I'll take it that you're okay with me coming in and having a donut from time to time. And you know what happened, don't you? On the eighth time around, bless his whole, there was a spot right in front of the door. And he knew it must be the Lord. You know, it's a whole lot easier to avoid temptation than to overcome temptation. It's a whole lot easier to orchestrate your life in ways that you don't have to battle certain things. Certain things in life just hit us, but there's a lot of things we can do to live wiser so we don't have to. Isn't that right? You see what I mean? And it starts out with the desire. I know he's coming back. I want to be ready. I want to please him. So if there's something, and it could be from donuts to whatever, I spend too much, whatever it might be. Say, Lord, I'm serious about this thing. Show me some practical things I can do to give myself victory in this area. To position myself. I don't want to be in a place of weakness. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. In light of His return... Let's continue to love not just one another, but to love, to love all. Let's be aware of the time. Aware of the time because He could come or He could call me home. Either way, it's getting shorter, you see. And let's be genuine in our lifestyle. That's really those last verses. We're putting off this and putting on that and really living it. And putting off and living as we should live. We're going to pray this morning. If you're here today and, um, and you're not ready, well, don't leave until you know you're ready. Come down and pray and make sure you're ready that if Jesus was to call you this afternoon, you could stand before Him with a clear heart. Or maybe you are ready, but you know what? Generally speaking, you're ready. But you, you, if you're honest, just between you got to be honest with at least with God. Um, maybe, maybe you forgot what time it is. There's been some things God had told you to do that you haven't done. There's been some things you put on a shelf. And you said, "Well, we'll get back to them." Weeks turn to months, and months turn to years, and there'll come a time when that window is shut. Maybe there's an area 
that loving a person is not easy, and it's not always easy, because people aren't always easy to love. But you see the Scripture is clear about the debt we have to love and keep on loving. And maybe you just need to say, Lord, help me. You know that person, they did me wrong, but you forgave me, I need to forgive them, and it's hard. Or Lord, you know they get under my skin. If I could avoid them like the donut shop, I would, but i got to work. i got to work two, two doors down from them, two desks down from them. So, Lord, i just going to ask you, give me your love towards that person because I have to be honest and I don't find it in my own heart. I'm, I'm just... But that's... We, we got it. We draw near. We draw near. So we want to do that. We want to do that. And if you have a need, we'll pray for you. But if you would, stand with me and let's pray and let's open the altar and say, God, oh God, understanding the present time, We want to live a certain way, understanding the present time. We don't want to just be given in to the deception of floating through life. We want to live faithfully and virtuously. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, to live in the light of Your return. Help us, Lord, to be faithful and obedient until You come. Help us to finish strong, Lord. Sometimes part of the journey gets us weak and weary, but Lord, help us to fight that good fight and to finish our race, to finish strong, to finish loving You, to finish living pure before You. And Lord, while we're here, whether we have another week or we have another 60 years, while we're here, Help us to be faithful and help us to be fruitful. Help us, Lord, to respond to the calling of Your Spirit, to do what You have chosen for us to do. Help us to make the most, to redeem the time. Because we recognize we won't have forever. But Lord, help us to begin to pursue and run after and give ourselves sincerely to that work, to that ministry, to that assignment. In these last days, Lord Jesus, may you find a loving people. May you find a faithfully working and laboring people. May you find a sincere and genuine people. We love you, we love you. Oh God, oh God, as we open this altar, touch hearts, refresh lives, impart a new deposit of grace into those that need to receive a fresh touch that they might get out there and obey the call. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, let's worship the Lord. The altars are open. Come, come, come. Respond to the Lord.